Welcome to another episode of Not So Gentle Reminder. I am Dr. Christina, a board-certified emergency medicine doc. And I'm Dr. Vicki, a board-certified neonatal intensivist. We are friends and pediatricians who survived our training to become skilled but salty physicians. And we are excited to share with you our evidence-based take on important pediatric topics. Thank you for joining us again on this second part of our medical episode where we break things down, all things sun safety and sunscreen with our favorite pediatric dermatologist, Dr. Katie Warner. We are going to dive right into the second part of this interview. I want to talk a little bit more about how to apply sunscreen, and then at some point we should go probably back to non-sunscreen ways to protect children and some of the recommendations that we have specifically for children, because a lot of what we've been talking about applies to adults as well. So I think getting back on the sunscreen train, how do we slather it on? Just the sunscreen shower? You taught me a lot already that we have to do it beforehand if you're going to use If you're doing the chemicals, right. You can reapply the minerals and they really do work pretty immediately. The amount that you're supposed to be applying is a shot glass, which you hear this and it's like, what does that mean? How much is that? And I think it's two ounces in a shot glass, 1.5. This does not apply to me. I just know teaspoons and tablespoons. I think that you're supposed to use like a spoon's worth. And so I only say that because like a typical, you know, a lot of the Neutrogena sunscreens will be seven ounces. And so you're like, oh, I'm really supposed to use this for only four applications. So that means you should go through your whole bottle of sunscreen in a day. None of us do that. Nobody does I don't that. even do that. And I'm like really trying to apply it. So this idea of what the studied or safe amount of sunscreen to put on is just really not very plausible. And so that is tough. But obviously you're supposed to apply it head to toe, reapplying every two hours or after water exposure. And obviously a lot of the time that we're going to be thinking about using sunscreen is in the presence of water, either a pool or the ocean. And oh my gosh, nobody is reapplying every second after their child runs out of the water. And that is really where I do tell a lot of parents that I do love the clothing, both for myself and for my kids. And then you get into a whole different letter of UPF and you're like, oh my gosh, whole other thing. And there's a lot of clothing that is sold to kids. And I would say, you know, any protective covering is still going to be more long-term protective than having to reapply every two seconds. So I wouldn't necessarily lose sleep over if you're buying the right protective clothing. We've all seen those very pale people that at the end of the day, they take their t-shirt off and their arms are bright red and their trunk where they had a t-shirt is still white. And even though the UPF technically of that t-shirt's not very high, clearly it's still giving you protection. I definitely think if you're concerned at all about this need to reapply all the time, Getting some fun sun shirts or cover-ups can be a, a much easier way to try to protect your kid. There is actually a product. It was started by a dermatologist called Sun Shots. We are not affiliated with them. It is essentially a collapsible shot glass shaped kind of rubber um, rubber measuring cup can wrap it around your sunscreen bottle so it comes along with you. And that is actually the recommended amount that you should be using. I don't understand why every sunscreen manufacturer doesn't have that kind of thing or like a spoon attached. Because then like you said, you'd be going through their product every 10 seconds and constantly restocking and buying more. Yeah. To me, it seems like a really missed marketing opportunity. Neutrogena, Conley, I have a lot to tell you about what you're doing. 
I'll let them know. What about this thing that I feel like I've been taught about you're supposed to use two finger lengths worth on your face, that it's supposed to be this nice, thick, gloppy, juicy finger application. Ideally, you have not such short fingers like I do, so you can actually get something onto your face, and that should cover face plus minus ears and neck. I'm not sure about ears and neck. Is that another fake thing or is that real? No, that's true. People always trying to find ways for us to better understand or internalize the idea of how much sunscreen is we're supposed to be using. That's just another way of phrasing it. Probably along the same spectrum of the shot glass. And how does that work with parents? So if I'm a parent and I'm applying it to my child, for me, I'll use two generous finger breaths to myself. For them, do I use their finger breaths, their teeny tiny sticky delicious fingers? Absolutely. Yes. Obviously, they're in some ways growing in proportion. So the shot class thing does not apply to your child. And so you kind of have to extrapolate. But that's a really good question. Um, What is it that you tell parents when they say to you, how much do I apply to my kid, especially with the knowledge that kids proportionally need to grow into their head, that the body surface area there initially is much larger compared to us adult people? It's so hard. I feel like these idea of how much is really stressful. And so honestly, my true recommendation usually just focuses on reapplying because I think at the end of the day, that is going to be so much more powerful because yes, it's so easy to put a really thick layer on first thing in the morning when everybody's excited and like we're getting ready and we're about to go out to the beach. And then when you're on the beach and you're half covered in sand, they're in and out of the salty water. I really try to emphasize that reapplication where you're probably going over areas and may hopefully the second time you're getting a little more in some area that you got less the first time. I think it evens out when you focus on maintaining throughout the day rather than one every time being the perfect amount. I love this. The strategy is complicated when everyone's having a good time on the beach. How do you logistically lure your tiny humans out of whatever delightful sandcastle building they're doing, have them patient enough sand free enough for you to actually get a to get sunscreen on. I have appreciated I a lot of parents that I see give the option of you either come back and we apply sunscreen or you put on one of those sun protective clothing. So it's a little bit less of this give and take of having a fight with your child over something that you know is really important. Right. Somebody mentioned sprays earlier and I feel very ambivalent. I honestly do have sprays in my house and I do use sprays on my kids. One of the biggest concerns for dermatologists with the sprays is that it's not healthy to breathe these in. And of course, they are chemicals and you're breathing them into the lungs. But, you know, obviously there's pollution everywhere. And how much are we using these spray sunscreens? Again, it comes back to what is the true risk compared to the benefits? How do we weigh that? The sprays do make it easy. That's why people love them. While I usually say for the first application of the day to truly do a cream, I do tell parents, avoid the face. I do think for reapplication, it does make things easy. And again, nobody is using sunscreen perfectly. And so in my opinion, I'd rather you be getting on something. In no time is it going to be perfect. If they're really resistant, try to convince them to throw on a shirt or give that to them as the other option. There are also mineral sunscreen sprays that do not come out as aerosolized as the chemical ones. And so that's a nice alternative that you still have to rub in, but it still goes a lot faster than putting the huge glop in your hands and trying to slather that on. Got it. We are recommending sunscreen first and foremost, being strategic about that first application being the big thorough one before you have released the tiny humans out into their daytime activity also use sprays or other things that might be a little bit easier. The goal is hitting that reapplication mark, the reapplication mark being every two hours, maybe after water. Yes. As best you can. Yeah. As best you can. As best as you can. Yes. 
And that as a parent, obviously, I think that should always be our goal, like as best as you can. Yeah. As best as you can for everything, knowing that your intentions are pure and life is always in the way. Exactly. Yes. We've transitioned a little to talk about some of the things for children. Babies are a little bit different though, correct? Yeah. The recommendations always start at six months. And so there's this, oh my God, what do I do below six months? And I would say in that case, it comes down to it has not been studied. So the recommendation cannot be made. Like we were talking about before, you're putting diaper cream paste on your baby's diaper rash. So I do feel like you can pretty much extend that safely. We know these just sit on the skin. The mineral sunscreens are absolutely what I recommend for babies zero to six months of age. And I feel very confident that they're safe. We use them in other aspects of their lives. Like I'm saying diaper rash, which is considered a very sensitive and thin skinned area. The other components of the mineral sunscreens, like the preservative and things, those are absolutely in other moisturizers and lotions that you're putting on your kids already. So I really see no reason to be really scared about putting a mineral sunscreen on a baby zero to six months of age. You can look at the percentage of the zinc in sunscreen and compare it to the percentage of zinc in desitin or butt paste. It's actually upwards of 40%. So you're using it on a very, very delicate area of the body. And then most of the physical or barrier type sunscreens are considerably lower percentage of either that zinc or the titanium dioxide. The other piece that I would say about this is we fixate in science on the six-month mark like it's an 18th birthday, like it's a 21st birthday, like it's a 65th birthday. And it is not. There's not a great amount of science that changes at the five and a half versus the six-month mark. And parents should feel quite confident about that. I do think there are some sanctuary times, the first week of life, the first month of life. Those are a little bit different than a five-month-old that's like happily chewing on their little feet. Like you said, it's not studied. That doesn't mean it's harmful. So in babies, I think sunscreen is totally safe. And then also sun protective maneuvers may be a stronger avenue to pursue and in some ways may be easier than in toddlers and then in adults and fit with their physiology and development a little bit better. Definitely easier to keep a bonnet on a delicious baby. Absolutely. Love a bonnet. It's my favorite look. It's the best time to wear a bonnet too. The bonnet and the sunglasses though, the combo is just too much. They slay me. It's the fashion show I want to watch. Dogs in outfits and babies in bonnets. Just Yes. The bonnet is so strong for me. And they're definitely not going to escape. So if you are keeping them in one of those sun shelters on the beach because you want them to be there with the rest of your family, until they get pretty mobile, you can do a lot of these protective maneuvers on their behalf that doesn't involve slathering them with sunscreen because you actually are successfully able to keep them in the shade without much escape unless you have a baby genius. And I'm sure all of you do. The one piece I wanted to talk about before we finish sunscreen is what's the difference between Korean sunscreens and other non-FDA approved ingredients? I use them, but I am not a baby, nor- You use Korean sunscreen? Sure do. You look horrified. Oh my gosh, where do you get it? No, I'm I'm so jealous. Oh, I exclusively use Korean sunscreens. They sting me less. I'm delicate. Only in my skin, the rest of me is a hard piece of iron. You can get them from all sorts of online sources and they take a while to ship is the issue, but they are so much cheaper than American sunscreens go on so much easier and often have a lot of these protective ingredients. They feel like skincare when you're putting it on. And it's been recommended by a bunch of the Instagram derms I follow. So I think this is out there. I think people are using this, but I didn't know what your thoughts were. This makes me really happy. I honestly don't know as much about the Korean, but I assume that the European ingredients that they're using probably are the same that are being used in Korea too. And 
good for them for studying these things and making recommendations to companies to be able to use them because they are especially helpful in the UVA spectrum, at least in Europe. So I don't know if Korea specifically has any others that extend much higher into the UVA spectrum. And one of them even actually goes into the visible spectrum. And so when we talk about broad spectrum, these are actually much more effective than a lot of the quote unquote broad spectrum agents we have here in the US. And I think that's really neat. And I don't know why the U.S. has not done any studies. My guess is that why would Neutrogena put in money to getting another sunscreen ingredient approved in the U.S. when they already are Got it. selling a lot of sunscreen? That's the only thing I can think of is that the motivation just monetarily isn't there, but it does seem really unfortunate. And a lot of times when these other ingredients are discussed in or mentioned in dermatology articles, they're just like, yeah, we assume that they'll be approved for future use in the U.S. And I'm like, okay, clearly nobody's really doing the studies, obviously. That's what it sounds like. Wow. Um, but so there absolutely are benefits. And they've obviously gone through the regulatory bodies in Korea and Europe. And if anything, Koreans have a longer life expectancy than Americans. And so I don't think there's any reason to believe that they would be approving something that was truly unsafe. And so absolutely, there are really well-documented benefits to these extra ingredients that they're using. Love this. Just as an aside on skin of color, what would you guess the SPF of a very darkly skinned black patient would be? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, 13. Do people have their own SPF? Yeah, they do. Our melanin gives us natural protection and we're not ever thinking about darkly skinned black patients getting a blistering sunburn. It would be very, very difficult. And I just think this, again, highlights how incorrectly or how inefficient our sunscreen use is that, you know, clearly 13 as a baseline is very, very protective. And so when we're getting all caught up at 30 and 50 and 50 plus plus, you know, even just having a baseline SPF of 13 is actually very, very protective. I wonder if that SPF is utilized by the body differently than this extrinsic SPF that we're applying in a sunscreen. I don't know. It just seems there's so much that we have to learn from yes. more melanated skin. Like all of these movements in the past couple of years have come out at looking at exceptionally common skin conditions on darker skin tones that we just have not had in dermatology. It just seems like such an obvious nadub. Oh, yeah. And exceptional medical racism, just intrinsic oh, in our field that we finally terrible. started correcting. And there's all this stuff coming out showing how things look differently. But then that's looking at pathology, but looking at physiology and how much there can be to learn. We've just not done enough, yeah. you know? I'm so glad that dermatology is going through this wake-up call. 85% yeah. of pictures in textbooks have been noted to be in Caucasian or white skin. And that's just unbelievable. And even the descriptions we use, like erythematous, meaning red, a lot of darker skin patients, you don't see any of that redness. So why am I being taught to look for that? And pigmentation versus depigmentation, which can look quite different. And then all right. those aspects of the ways that scarring can look on different skin tones as well. I love that finally we're having a lot of these discussions and people are really making a big effort to be inclusive in this space. Even they've shown a lot of the AI that's being created in dermatology is completely racist because all the pictures, all the studies that we have are very biased. And so it really is nice to see this space changing finally, slowly. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see where we'll be in five years as we change a lot of these things in medicine. I want to return to something that you mentioned earlier, which is UPF. We've not been short on numbers or on acronyms in this episode. And to keep that theme going. Tell us a little bit more about WTF is UPF and where do I buy it? I need to buy it. That's a very good question. UPF is basically the rating that a piece of clothing has to how much it is absorbing that UVB light for you. 
So B only, not A. It definitely does do A as well, but the number again is more. Yeah, numbers are only for B. Okay. Yes, exactly. I know, which is so confusing, but absolutely you are getting UVA absorption as well. If I wanted to get some, do I look on Amazon? Do I trust them when they say that the clothing is UPF protective? Clothing, any type of barrier like that in general is going to be an added benefit above sunscreen. Not all of it is probably as accurate as they claim, but I think across the board, clothing can give you a lot of added benefit. I don't think it's worth going out and paying $100. I don't think you're actually going to be getting that superior protection. And so when we're talking about the difference of 30 and 50 in like SPF in general, in my head, I've kind of equated that to clothing and whether or not that's true. Can't say for sure. We will not be. You're not on the record. This is not perjury. You're fine. (laughs) Perfect. Having a partner that wears a very specific outdoor wear that involves covering his entire body because he doesn't like the feel of sunscreen on his skin. He is very deeply invested in UPF. And my understanding is that normal t-shirt is a UPF rating of five. So any type of cotton t-shirt, polyester t-shirt, or one of those performance t-shirts that you might wear outside. Again, you can do that complicated logarithmic thing along with SPF. But essentially, if it's a UPF of five, that means that only one-fifth of the UV radiation or 20% of what could be reaching your skin is able to reach your skin. So then when they're talking about numbers like UPF 50, they're implying that only 2% of the UV radiation is reaching the skin, which again is kind of what goes into that SPF or the sun protective factor. So it's just a, a different name for capturing the same concept. But as you're saying, it is even just wearing a plain t-shirt is protective because you're not worried about reapplying anything. You're not doing anything. If it gets wet, it's not really changing the overall barrier at that time, but that is what goes into UPF. Thank you for educating me. Yeah, I feel like I've learned so much. Also, yeah, your partner and I need to have a little discussion about how to find sunscreen that he likes. I really like the one I'm using right now. I'm going to see if I can send you guys some. I will say the one other thing I wanted to mention, because I think we have been seeing these around, these sunscreen pills. Yes. Of all the things we've talked about that are sunscreen pills are, I think, so highly of them. Whoa. The FDA gets very mad. I understand. It should not be called a sunscreen pill. It is maybe a better label would be a sun protective pill. The majority of these contain this plant extract from a plant in South America called Polypodium locutomus. Very long name. This plant, it's really neat. The plant uses this extract to protect itself from UV damage. In the last 10 years, this has become very popular in dermatology. And there are actually such amazing studies that show that it decreases DNA damage in the skin when you take it either You can take a double dose the morning of or a dose in the morning and a dose at night. Aside from being UV protective, there's a lot of uses in other photo disorders in dermatology that have really good studies. This might not be useful in a five-year-old, but I would say there are safety studies in adolescents that are very positive. It's water-soluble. There really have been no significant notable side effects or in adolescents or adults. I take one a day, and then when I know I'm going to be sun-exposed, I take two. They're all essentially a standardized dose for both adults and use in adolescents, that it's a really, really neat addition that absolutely does have support in published dermatology journals of its effectiveness. Can you send us a link so we can share with our audience and also so I can buy all of them also so that your partner can use them since he hates sunscreen? And it's easy to find these on Amazon. This is a really cool development in the dermatology community that unfortunately has had bad press, but in a way it probably should be getting good press. 
it sounds like there's overlap with baloney that's out there with homemade creators on TikTok. Yes. And I think TikTok, like Instagram, can be a source of a lot of valuable knowledge and can yeah. be a source of a lot of misleading information. So there's been specific literature I've seen from the American Academy of Pediatrics and I think from dermatological governing bodies as well saying don't do homegrown ones. This is not the DIY that you want to do. This is something that you want to get that is standardized, regulated, right. and as, if not brand name, but as closely standardized as possible. This is not the one that you get out your cauldron at home and mix up. You could read online about all these natural sunscreens. And while a lot of things can be somewhat UV absorbing, obviously we're using the specific ingredients that we are because we have knowledge that they absorb to a very high level. And so a lot of the home things, unfortunately, are not going to be exceptionally protective so put on clothes, yep. take your pill in the morning if you're an adolescent and a parent, put on yes. sunscreen if you're a baby person, really start thinking about that mineral sunscreen if you're older and depending on life, chemical and spray, reapply, most importantly, reapply. That's what I got from you. And if you're putting on that chemical, put it on 20 minutes before. And then what about my favorite? Stay in your house. Don't leave the house. Stay in the shade if you are leaving your house. And if you come out and you must leave your house and you can't stay in the shade, or if you can, every hat, every parasol, every right. glove, every everything. Yeah. And what about all this stuff that I'm seeing in terms of recommendations for babies from the American Academy of Pediatrics, from other bodies saying just there's not necessarily a need to take them out at high noon. Do not take them out during the hottest points of the day. Right. And there is absolutely more UV rays at that point. I live in the South. Nobody wants to be out in the very middle of the day. That's nap time. It's nap time, yes. For adults and children, yeah. For adults and children. I definitely take that advantage of taking a nap yeah. when my kids are sleeping. I have so many patients that I feel like come into me and are literally terrified to tell me that they're going to the beach or that they spend time outside. And I really feel bad about that because we know that there's a lot of mental health benefits of being outside, of being active, of going to the beach. And you really don't need a lot of sun to get your vitamin D. And so these concerns about using sunscreen too well, that you're not going to get your vitamin D in the vast majority of skin types is really not a true concern. But I do want people to go outside and get all of the health benefits and mental health benefits of being outside. It really, for me, is just about doing it safely. And just be aware that there are absolutely stronger and more UV rays from 11 to 2. So if you're at the beach and that's the times that your kids are awake, I always tell people to be cognizant and try to be as safe and protective as possible. To also build on that mental health benefit, Dr. Vicky was talking specifically about six months and younger. I think we don't really do a good job in medicine and in pediatrics talking about how isolating having a brand new baby is. Absolutely. So if you taking the time to go out and meet friends with your new baby and you're doing maneuvers in a bonnet, in a bonnet yeah, everyone's in a bonnet, mom's in a bonnet, the moms you're yep, meeting are in a, in a bonnet, the dog that's with you is in a bonnet, everyone's in a bonnet. There are incredible benefits to be able to be connecting with your village and your community. Absolutely. So implying that you're somehow doing something wrong if your child or your infant is exposed to sun is a little bit unfair. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. What happens if we have created a crispy little critter and by mistake, lack of ability to reapply or you just forgot? 
a villain stole the bonnet. Exactly. Exactly. I have gotten sunburned myself and I honestly try to empathize with patients when they come in. And I really, rather than taking that opportunity to make them feel bad because they already feel bad, I'm always impressed that they didn't cancel the appointment altogether. I just use that as a time to reemphasize, okay, what do you need to do better next time? Especially the summer comes around, we're all inside for winter and you forget these things. And it's good to have a reminder. It's good to have positive reinforcement. So I really don't want people to be scared of coming to the dermatologist. But if you or your child does get sunburn, like Christina already mentioned, that is a thermal burn. And so unfortunately, there's nothing the ER is going to be able to do. I've read at some point there's 30 plus thousand visits a year for sunburns and to the ER. I'm very much appreciating this pitch for home treatment in a purely, from a purely selfish standpoint. <laughs> Yes, I am yes. fainting over here if I had just run my sunscreen propaganda correctly and my bonnet for, you know, at birth, I will just give everybody a bonnet and the bonnet grows with the child. Then we'd be fine. You have the perfect patient population. I just love a bonnet. The hat game is so strong in my population. You should see what the nurses do with the bows. Like oh. the fashion is so strong. What I do is fashion first. Okay. Love but it. getting getting back to thermal injury. Getting back to thermal injury. Research really shows that NSAIDs, both for pain management, but also because of their anti-inflammatory benefits, are honestly one of the best things. Everything else is going to be just for symptomatic relief. Aloe does feel good. Does it actually heal the skin? No, but it's cooling. It's going to at least make that very hot skin feel a little bit less intense. And then there's very low level evidence that vitamin E or some of these other antioxidants, maybe they help to clear some of this sun damage a little bit more quickly. It's nothing miraculous by any means, but there's no downside of buying some vitamin E oil that's easy to find at any pharmacy and be applying that because if nothing else, obviously we want the skin under this damaged area to grow back in a healthy way. Moisturization is always helpful for healing skin, but there might be some added benefits of the antioxidant or anti-inflammatory properties of things like vitamin C or vitamin E oil. I have this very vivid recollection of when I was a teenager being told, don't put anything on your skin because it is somehow going to trap the heat in and damage it further. Having done burn rotations as well as dermatology, I can decisively say that my grandmother was 100% lying to me. In this one area, in everything else. In this one area. In this one, everything else she told you was from God's mouth. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So if you, you yourself or your child gets burned, it is not the end of the world. And definitely we just really emphasize pain control and then also helping with keeping them moisturized so that healthy skin below can replace the, the top fried little layer and it'll, it'll get better. And the old standbys, Vaseline, Aquaphor. I never have a bad word to say yes, about those. Yeah, absolutely. And for just moisturizers, my faves. Yes, Vaseline's so cheap. Aquaphor is basically Vaseline with a little bit of lotion. So on top of being a very good barrier, it does have a moisturization component as well. I recommend those all day, every day. That was a perfect segue, actually, before we let you go. If you have your top five, you can also pick whatever arbitrary number that feels right. Top 17 is fine. I've, I can perfect, write this down. Perfect. We'll just keep, keep it going. Top five recommendations related to sun protection and sunscreen for the pediatric population from an esteemed pediatric dermatologist. You know what? I really am going to get on the bonnet train. And with the bonnet train, obviously we know we're talking so much about skin. Clearly the rates of cataracts are sky high because of all of this UV that is also affecting our eyes. So for me, yeah, bonnets and sunglasses really alongside that clothing. I 
cannot say enough of. It's We're talking about the very consistent protection that darker skin types have, but you obviously get that with clothing. It's going to stay the same all day, which is really nice. Bonnet sunglasses clothing definitely would be one of my top recommendations if you can convince your kids to wear it. Number two would be if your kid does get a sunburn, use it as a learning experience and try to do better. We're talking about, oh my gosh, is this going to increase your kid's risk of cancer in the future? All these risks are still small and the chances of them truly dying from melanoma are still small. Next time you go to the beach, great. Bring some clothing, try to be better about reapplication and just use it as a learning tool and not something to keep you up at night. Because even though when we're mentioning the 2.5% lifetime risk of melanoma, a much, much, much smaller percent of people are truly dying from melanoma. So that's just something to keep in mind. These are things to be mindful of, but not loose sleep over. Third would be, because the idea of a sunscreen pill sounds very scary, I really can't say enough that I think polypodium leucotomus is great. The other vitamin that really has very, very good dermatologic studies for sun protection more over the long term is niacinamide or vitamin B3. If your kid's taking a multivitamin, feel good that in a very large study of over 10,000 people in Australia, taking vitamin B3 every day decreased their risk of non-melanomic skin cancers by a third, which is pretty cool. And so that's an easy way that you can feel good about yourself by just having your kid take a multivitamin with some B3 in it every day. Fourth, I would say, let's see. Um, I think you're really into barrier sunscreen over chemical sunscreen. The minerals and the barriers, especially when I'm thinking about dermatologic conditions, I see so many kids with eczema and so many kids had a reaction to some sunscreen. The minerals for babies, for kids with sensitive skin, for any concerns like that, I think the minerals are great. The sunscreens that are a combination of mineral and chemical, those honestly probably have the best protection of them all. If there's any concern about safety, about sensitive skin, about the age of your child, go mineral all the way, 100%. But if you want something with the best broad spectrum protection, I would look for one that's a combination. And it's very confusing. What is chemical? What is mineral? The ones that are mineral only are always labeled, usually mineral or organic. If you look at the back and you see zinc or titanium in any of the listed ingredients, you know it's a combination one. And so that's an easy um, way to kind of figure that out. Fifth. I'm really glad I put you on the spot here. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, come on, guys. Tell me what you took away from all these magical things that I've said. I'm waiting for the vote for reapplication and early and for timing, the vote for your watch. Right. You put it on Perfect. 20 minutes before like or it. you reapply and don't go crazy on the initial application. It's like you're not getting married. It's okay. You can do this many times. That's a great one to end on. Concentrate on trying to get as much protection throughout the day as you can. And and reapplication is definitely a really, really good component of that. This was so helpful. This was a delight oh. between the two of us having gone through medical school residency and fellowship. Even we had our minds blown by some of the things that you related. Oh, good. Obsessing over sunscreen is a hobby for me. And I feel like I have to start a new journal and start fresh because I've learned so much here. Since you were giving me a number six, I think I would say, you know, at the beginning, we were sounding very skeptical about the true benefits of sunscreen. And there's enough body of evidence to suggest that absolutely there are clear benefits of sunscreen. But I think more the point of the discussions we were having in the beginning of this hour is just that 
that medicine is really not a perfect science and it's always evolving and our understanding of things is always changing. And some of the things that we hear on the news are not as clear cut as they sound. And so, like I said at the beginning, food for thought to be like, oh, you know, I hear these things and people want me to be really scared, but, you know, maybe it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I mean, nobody really wants to hear about the snail's pace of medical research compared to some splashy, jazzy, high drama topic on the news, which is probably why we only hear those. I think that's a very excellent point. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Matt, I I learned from you guys too. And yeah, it's honestly funny the things in medicine that, yeah, you do kind of internalize. And then sometimes you don't even realize that you're giving those out. And so thank you for getting me to take the time to actually think through some of the things we know about sunscreen. So yes, and I um, feel like I learned more about UPF. So hopefully I can pass on some of the things that Dr. Christina has taught me today. Thank you so much to Dr. Katherine Warner for joining us for this very thorough discussion. Shall we recap? Let's do it. Let's start off with some not-so-gentle reminders and practical tips, the first of which is that the best way to apply sunscreen, if it's not a spray sunscreen, is to use a ballpark of about two finger lengths for your face. You can adjust accordingly for a child who has smaller finger lengths and a smaller face. Definitely use a cream if you can and focus on not just application, but on reapplication after things like sweating or time or swimming. The second not so gentle reminder is that the safety of sunscreen in babies just hasn't been well studied like many things in babies, especially those chemical sunscreens. But you are already using zinc elsewhere on their body in the diaper cream. So mineral sunscreens are likely safe for your baby. Agreed. Our next not-so-gentle reminder is that UPF is a rating for some protective clothing, and all clothing is going to have some barrier function. A normal shirt is about UPF 5, which means it blocks 20% of rays, and then UPF 50 blocks everything except for 2% of the rays. So think about that when you're doing some of your summer shopping. And then our last not-so-gentle reminder is that Dr. Katie loves sunscreen pills but does not love the name sunscreen pill because it actually is not a replacement for your sunscreen or sun protective clothing, but it is the new frontier in dermatology and it can be additive to your other plans. So thank you so much for listening. We would love it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. We want this to be helpful to you. So we are very eager for your feedback. Email us at notsogentlereminder at gmail.com. DM us on the gram. Tell us about what kind of weird homemade sunscreen pills and remedies you've seen on the internets. Don't use those. You can call us at 917-426-6908. You can tell us what you'd like us to cover, any questions you may have, any products you want reviewed, or how we can make this better for you. Please see our show notes for links and our website, notsogentlereminder.com, for episode transcripts. And here comes our disclaimer. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. This podcast does not represent the opinions of our employers. It is purely for education and entertainment. Every child and every family is unique. If you are experiencing a medical emergency, please call 911. If you have specific questions about the care of your child, please be in touch with their doctor. (laughs) 